0: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Alex Alcazaz, aka the Bear of Texas, and this is Into the Net FC, coming to your life from deep in the heart of Texas. My guest tonight, of course, my good friend and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California, none other than Steve Adams himself. What's up, Steve?
1: Boy, it was a veritable orgy of soccer this past weekend. And it was the crowning <laughs> weekend for, you know, almost all the, the major leagues in Europe. It was their their last weekend since uh, next Saturday will be the Champions League. So, And then with the Euros are coming up. So, you know, everything finally finished up and there was so much drama. and There was a lot hanging on this last day in, in several of the leagues.
0: We'll, we'll go ahead and start that because now, as of today, the main four leagues of Europe, La Liga, League 1, Serie A, and the Premier League, it's all said and done. But the Premier League was all said and done a while back. But, but as of today, we're all confirmed. We'll go ahead and start with the Premier League. But it's not that Manchester City won. That we're not going to talk about. We're going to talk about the finish for the top four, like the last three spots. Actually, no last two spots because manchester united apparently had second place secured for a while too but it was quite a dramatic finish but this is what the premier league is all about is it not steve
1: well man you had second place uh wrapped up and they wrapped up uh an incredible year undefeated on the road for uh Ole Solskjaer o- gunner solshire's men uh they finished it up with a 2-1 win at wolves uh, in uh, Nuno's last game, in charge of uh, of Wolves, but uh, the the big drama was going to be on spots three and four, and uh, of course, you know those top four spots are Champions League. And if you would have told me earlier in March that Liverpool, who at the time was sitting in eighth place, if you would have told me that Liverpool would have ended up finishing in third in the EPL, I would have been astounded. And uh, Liverpool ran the table. They won their last five games in a row. Uh, Not as much drama today against Crystal Palace. They were fairly dominant. Uh, Sadio Mane, who, by his own reckoning, has not had a terribly good season for Liverpool. He scores a brace. And... um, Liverpool gets the two zip win. They take third. Uh, the result I did not expect to see. I did not expect to see Leicester City fold down the stretch. Uh, they had, the, of course, their FA Cup win last weekend, and that was big. Uh, you know, their first FA Cup trophy for the Foxes. But today, Tottenham went into Leicester City, and they scored four goals. And they won four to two at uh, at Leicester City, and then uh, with that result, it made it no real big deal that Chelsea ended up losing their last match of the season. They went to Birmingham and lost two to one to Aston Villa. Uh, Pulisic with a assist in that game for Chelsea, but uh, Chelsea just hangs on for the fourth spot.
0: It's Incredible, and, and unfortunately for Leicester City, and this this is hard to, for them to live with the fact you know, they spent 242 days in the top four, and on the final day, they get dumped out. It's kind of like fate repeated itself, except last year they were in the top four for 325 days, and on that last day against Man U, they got dumped out. It's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, life and soccer, uh, neither one is terribly fair, and uh. You know, so Leicester City, since they won the FA Cup, they are going to be playing Europa League, and then um, West Ham, they'll with the sixth place finish, they also will be in the Europa League, and then um, Tottenham, by virtue of their win in the seventh place spot, they're going to be in the new third tier competition, as if, as if Europe really needed a third tier competition. <clears throat> I mean, you already had the Europa League and you had all the games with that. And even before COVID, those games generally didn't draw terribly well until you get to the knockout rounds. But there you go.
0: You know, it's really incredible. And as far in the Premier League as well, you know, Harry Kane finishing as the top scorer. Can't say I'm surprised. You know, it's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, Mo Salah was right there under him. If Mo Salah had been able to score a goal of two, Maybe that things would sort have of turned out different, but you know Harry Kane not only is the top scorer, but you know the leader in assists as well.
1: Also, his third scoring title, so he joins Alan Shearer, uh, Terry Henry. I'm trying to think. I think there's a, th- a third person I'm forgetting who's they've won the Golden Boot uh, three times, which is really pretty incredible when when you think about it. I mean, it's such a tough league to begin with. And then to win the Golden Boot one year is really pretty incredible, but then to win it three times like Harry Kane. Now, I think most conventional wisdom is that Harry Kane is going to walk. I know Chelsea has a great deal of interest in him. Um, If you saw his goal today uh, against the Foxes, it was just one of those beautiful pivot volleys that uh, he's just hes just a genius at it. Um, and I'm sure that uh, fans of England are going to be looking forward to that kind of form when uh, it comes time to the Euros here in a couple of weeks.
0: It's definitely going to be exciting. And we'll get to Harry Kane's future in a bit. But now we're going to switch our focus to Serie A. Well, the top story from that is, well, Juventus, they can breathe a huge sigh of relief because Juventus finished in the top four and we thought it was over
1: well and they could give a really strong grazie to Napoli Napoli uh came up short in their last game and um, you know they were they were they're playing Hellas as Verona which is a game that really Napoli should have won they were playing at home they were not playing against a terribly good opponent, so I mean everything was was all there to play for. Uh, Napoli held the key to its future, and uh, they came up short. So Napoli will not be playing Champions League. Juventus will. Uh, will this make a difference as far as Cristiano Ronaldo staying? I know there was some talk if uh, Weston McKinney, the American who's played extremely well, I might add, for Juventus this year in his Absolutely. first year in Italy. Uh, I think now, I think with Champions League ball on his menu, I don't see Weston McKinney making making the switch anywhere.
0: It's and bad, also,
1: too, to add his, I'm sorry, one thing I forgot to add, too, Weston McKinney also can add to his trophy case uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Juventus beat Atalanta for the Coppa Italia. So, uh, an American who's won the Coppa Italia, I don't believe any American has ever done that in Serie A.
0: I mean, he's really making an impact. So, the best thing for him would be to stay at Juventus. And as far as Juventus goes, well, I mean, the one thing we can guarantee, I think, at this point is I think Andrea Perlo is going to stay on as the manager.
1: I think he's done enough to keep his job. I think winning the Coppa Italia and getting a top four uh, finish. Uh, Another shout out to a team that has not been in champions league for the last seven seasons, AC Milan, Uh, a team that a lot of people know from the, from the eighties and the nineties. They were kind of the personification of Italian excellence for a long, long time in terms of club soccer. AC Milan back in the Champions League as well.
0: Speaking of AC Milan, we'll never forget. and uh, They won the Champions League, I believe. Last last time they won it, I believe, was 2003. They were in the final 2005, and they uh, there was that game where they blew that lead and Liverpool would, would go on to win it in a penalty shootout.
1: Yeah, then I believe they won it in 06.
0: Okay, pro- well, what's that? No, I think that was Barcelona. Well, anyway. We oh, just- no,
1: you're right. Barcelona... But there was like there was like another year afterwards, like a year or two afterwards where where AC Milan won. But uh but anyway, it's a it's a team that's kind of been in the wilderness. And AC Milan also had to do it uh playing down the stretch without their Swedish talisman, uh Ibrahimovic, uh, who continues to defy age and um, he's played really, really well for AC Milan. Unfortunately suffered an injury late in the season. So he will not be able to play for Sweden and the upcoming euros. But, uh, but still, you know, very, very good finish for AC Milan. Atalanta, the little team from Bergamo that's had to overcome so much in a city that was decimated by COVID. They're back in the champions league. So, um, Mad props to Atalanta for, you know, not being one of the really big money teams in Serie A, but they're still getting a lot of success.
0: Oh, they absolutely are. And, you know, and, and I like this, you know, and as far as Inter Milan goes, I believe this was the first time since uh, they won it back in the 2009-2010 season. And back when they won it 10 years ago, they actually had completed the entire treble collection of, the, of Italian soccer. They even won the Champions League that year.
1: Yeah, that one may have been Jose Mourinho's masterwork. Um, that was certainly right up there, you know, along with what he accomplished when he was coaching Porto before anybody really knew Mourinho as a special one. And now um, the Italian press they get a very early Christmas present. Uh, Mourinho will be coaching at Roma, so uh, the Gazzetta dello Sporte. Uh, they got a very, very early Christmas present. Uh, Mourinho is back in Serie A. Well,
0: that's definitely something huge. And, well, I'm sure Mourinho, I mean, I, I hope, you know, honestly, I hope things actually work out better than it's been in the Premier League. But I, I think Serie A is definitely a place he's more comfortable. So I, I think Jose Mourinho will be okay. But now we get to leave. As long as
1: the check oh. clears, I think he'll be fine. Oh yeah. League <laughs> <laughs> on. Ligue, Ligue 1 was fascinating. Um, that's something that you haven't really been able to say in the last in the last few years uh, aside from you know a few years ago when Monaco won it. I mean for seven of the late eight last years uh, Paris Saint-Germain has won French League and going into today um uh, Lille, the team that has been leading for quite a while, they had to make the road trip to the Loire Valley and play in Angers, which is a very nice city, by the way. If anybody ever gets a chance to go, I I strongly recommend Angers. They've got a great chateau. Uh, It's it's a lovely town. But uh, Lille did their part of the deal. Uh, Canadian uh, Jonathan David's. He had a goal, and then he was fouled uh, later on in the game, and uh, Turkish international, Yamal's, uh, he's converts on the penalty. Um, Angers gets a late goal in injury time to make things a little bit nervous in the north of France. But uh, in the end, uh, Paris Saint-Germain's win at Brest in Brittany uh their 2-0 win comes all for naught. But, uh, you know, mad props to Lille. Uh, The last time they had won uh, a league was 10 years ago when a certain Aiden Hazard, uh, the Belgian, uh, he was putting himself on uh, the radar of the big teams in Europe, helping Lille win that title 10 years ago. And now the dogs back in Europe uh, in the Champions League. The question that I have is how much house cleaning will Leal do will they have a fire sale because several of their players uh are going to be very hot commodities i think jonathan Davids is going to be a hot commodity i think the american tim Wea, although he didn't play today uh tim weah has shown that he could play and he contributed a great deal with Leal's effort so uh the young U.S. international, who's also the son of uh, the li- Liberian and PSG AC Milan great George Weah, uh, he gets a winner, uh, a winner's medal for uh, winning the French title. So great news for the fans of Koukakouf, uh to see a Canadian and an American playing prominently in, um, in Lille's drive to the title.
0: That seems like more American players are succeeding in Europe, so hopefully that's something that's going to brighten up the future as far as American soccer goes. And, and I'm going to be honest, I mean, if some people are probably wondering if I'm upset about PSG not winning the title, I'm like, to be honest, no, I'm not. I'm not because, you know, when, you, when you're passionate about soccer and you always want these stories, I mean, these are the stories that, that we crave for. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it gets on my nerves when people are always calling the league out of the farm, Farmers League because, you know, there's, it's always been PSG easily winning the title. I mean, it's not like PSG wins the title again and, PSG the last few years would just grab the title early and then run away and then never be caught, you know because you know I'm sure that you as well Steve you probably missed the days when league uh, was a heavy, was a heavily comp- comp- was a league with heavy competition.
1: It was at least a much more competitive league once upon a time. I mean there was that period of time in the late eighties and early nineties, you know, when Marseille was really at its peak. You know, and they had won four straight French titles, uh, lost one Euro title to Red Star of Belgrade, and then with their famous win over AC Milan in 1993. But, uh, but you know, it's been a while since Marseille's been in um, the conversation as far as like the top clubs in Europe. And also, too, going into today, if things had gone absolutely sideways, if both PSG And uh, Lille had lost heavily, and if Monaco had won, Monaco could have won the title. But as it turned out, um, Monaco still hung on to third place. But uh, congratulations to Lille.
0: Absolutely. Félicitations, Lille. Vous le méritez. You know, and I speak about, you know, I've had, you know... So many conversations, you know, I think during that time between the 80s and 90s, I mean, that was during the time where Marseille was the dominant club and PSG was probably average to, like, like around an average club at the time.
1: At best, at best, they were a very average team during that time frame when Marseille was at its peak. Yeah, I mean, because
0: back then, you know, according to my dad, you know, the time, like, Marseille was the top club, and those clubs like Monaco... Bordeaux, well Bordeaux was not the best team, but they were always worthy, they were challenging. You know, Bordeaux was good, you know, as Toulouse, just to name a few, I think Saint-Étienne was, you know, was out there. I mean, it wasn't just like it was today, there was at least six clubs competing for first place. I mean, that, that's what makes the whole thing interesting, and I would love to see that again, I really do.
1: Well, you know, this year you actually had a a relatively tight grouping, uh, and Lyon, they were not terribly off the pace either this year. So um, they ended up uh, finishing fourth, uh, 16 points ahead of Marseille. So uh, Lyon uh, and Marseille, they both have Europa League next year. So uh, anyway, but yeah, fairly fairly tight grouping at the top.
0: Absolutely. And I need to confirm with with one of my friends. Yeah, Fabien Barthez did start the, the Champions League final in 93. Yeah, he was, I think he was 21 years old at the time. He was young and yeah, he was the starting goalkeeper and he kept a clean sheet. So that's, that was pretty amazing. Didi did Deschamps was, was also on the team at the time.
1: There were a lot of really good players on that team who also played internationally for France. Uh, Manuel Amaro,s who some people might remember from some of the great French teams of 82 and 86. 82, 84, 86, uh, when they were making semifinals and World Cups, won the Euro title. Amoros was on that team. Um, yeah, that that was so long ago. Barthez actually still had hair uh, back then <laughs> in 1993. When you look when, when you look at the team shots.
0: Yeah, my dad brings that up a lot. He's like, yep, just like me, he had hair at the time. <laughs> so, so now we get to uh, La Liga. Well... I, I knew this would happen I was I I knew there was no way Atletico Madrid in any way shape or form or under any circumstances would relinquish the title to their crosstown rivals Real Madrid it's pretty nervy for both teams uh both teams needed to win
1: and um, Real Madrid was actually down early. Um, Against VRL, they were down early, two to one in that game. Uh, came back to win that two to one. Uh, Atlético Madrid, they were having a really tough match. Uh, they were they were down earlier on, and again, it was a game that they had to win. And then, who would score the winning goal for Atlético Madrid? But one Luis Suarez, uh, who Liverpool and Barcelona fans know, and I'm sure. Uh, while Coleman is uh, probably eating some serious Dutch crow for uh, letting Luis Torres go for free to Atletico Madrid. And, uh, you know, you have to figure that Barcelona, who finished at 79 points, seven points behind Atletico, you got to wonder if he had had the Uruguayan on his squad and the goals that he was able to score – you know, could that have been enough to have gotten Barcelona over the line to win another La Liga title? Well, it didn't happen. No, and uh, Atletico wins its first La Liga title in seven years. And uh, even though I'm not the world's biggest fan of Diego Simeone, but uh, but you have to give you got to give him credit. You know, they they won when they had to. They won when it was crunch time. And I think that's the thing that was great you know, with some of these performances over the weekend, you know, Liverpool had to win to make sure that they were going to finish in the top four. Lille had to win to make sure that they were going to finish as French champs. Juventus absolutely had to win. You know, they couldn't control what happened with Napoli, but Juventus absolutely had to win. And then Atletico, they get the, their two to one win and they're Spanish champs.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the unfortunate part, the way to close out the La Liga discussion, is that Los Blancos, Real Madrid, note no hardware for the first time since the two thousand nine two thousand ten season. Now, my if you if you all wondering my thoughts, well, it's terrible. You know, at the same time, you know what hurts me is just knowing that my hero, unfortunately, couldn't win a title this year. Well, so I just leave it at that. Now, the next subject is the the future of Harry Kane because unfortunately Tottenham their future is honestly anything but bright it's quite unclear and this is no surprise Harry Kane apparently wants out and the conversation is where he goes next well there's already several clubs looking you mentioned that Chelsea is actually has an interest in him but not surprisingly Manchester City does as well and apparently even Man U is actually somehow in the conversation but I really doubt Man U is actually gonna do much because I think their sights they have their sights more on Jaden Sancho. But yeah, I think Harry Kane, I mean, that's definitely the biggest news in England as far as the offseason goes, is where will Harry Kane end up next? Well, I my gut feeling is I'm leaning more towards
1: Man City. Um, I mean that's just that's just a gut feeling, but clearly a player of Harry Kane's quality He deserves to get showcased in the Champions League. And, you know, like we've talked about before, you know, a couple years ago when Tottenham made their fantastic run to the Champions League title only to lose to Liverpool. But, uh, you know, Tottenham hasn't had a ton of Champions League ball. Uh, Harry's getting up there a little bit. His skills are still marvelous. But while his skills are still at a top flight level, yeah, I think he would like to get another shot at playing some Champions League ball.
0: Absolutely, and as far as Chelsea goes, I mean, if they would were to even flirt with the idea of getting Harry Kane, they'd have they'd have to sell either Christian Pulisic or Timo Werner. I mean, if not, if, if if they want to make that choice, if you want my honest opinion, selling Timo Werner would, would be the better way to go. But you know, Timo Werner just, I mean, you know, it, it stinks to say, but you know, he's he hasn't made much. I mean, he had some good moments, but but overall. Like, not much of an impact. Uh, I'm not saying that Kimo he Werner should. has. Yeah. Sorry, he's, he ahead. has
1: wonderful pace. Yeah. He has wonderful pace. The German has, you know, pace like a track star. Um, but the problem is it's it's not a foot race. It's can you put the ball in the net? And, you know, with multiple opportunities to put the ball away, you know, Werner has come up way short. You give Harry Kane those opportunities in front of goal they get cashed in. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm thinking more man, man city, but, um, it wouldn't totally surprise me if, if he ends up going to Chelsea, but, um, I gotta say, that'll be really weird seeing him in a, in a Chelsea jumper after all those years of of playing with Tottenham. But, um, now, you know, for the, for the short term, Chelsea and Man City. Now they've got to worry about the Champions League final next Saturday,
0: Absolutely. in Porto. Yeah, and and to finish with the whole thing with Werner, yeah, like you said, he's got that. I, I think it's just he lacks the ability to finish. That's that's the way to do it. I mean, he's a talented player. He's just he can't he can't seem to finish what he starts. Like he'll threaten. He like you said, it's about putting the ball in the back of the net. It's about that ability, and unfortunately, he can't finish. He he can definitely fix that. You know, he's young. He's got potential. I mean, it it happens. I mean, every player, you know, it's part of the growing process. When you grow as a, as a player with all the potential in the world, of course you're you're gonna hit dead ends. Of course you're gonna go through hard times. I mean, that's that's part of the deal. I mean, Ronaldo went through it. Zidane went through it. I mean, everybody goes through it. But, but but yeah, you're right. As far as Chelsea goes, I think for now they should definitely focus on the Champions League final because you know Manchester City is obviously obviously the overwhelming overwhelming favorite, but. But as far as the final prediction for me, as I can tell you this, it's not going to be Manchester United, but realistically, it's going to be Manchester City. But Manchester City is probably going to have to make a sale or two in order to get him because if you have too many chefs in the kitchen, then, you know, it's not good because, you know, what's the point of not using him all the time if you paid a lot of money for him? You know what I mean? No,
1: it's true. It's true.
0: All right, so that's uh, wrapped up. And now we move on to, well, this is something that you and I never thought would happen. And the truth of the matter is, I was never upset with this kind of omission because we've explained it before. But somehow, someway, Didi Deschamps has gone back on his own word and he has brought back Kareem Benzema to the French national team.
1: Never say never. Um, you take a... It, it as maybe Real Madrid has had a kind of a disappointing year by their lofty standards, but the Frenchman wearing the number nine Benzema has been, he's been fantastic for Real Madrid for a while. Um, You know what I mean? We've talked about this whole saga, but uh, I guess at the end of the day, I guess, you know, even, even with Deschamps, you know, there's a chance at redemption and, at the end of the day, it's also about winning, and uh, it's a popular move. I mean, it sounds like with some of the other really high-profile players on this incredibly loaded French side, uh, it sounds like the the word in the locker room is is that they're very happy that Benzema is going to be coming along to play in the Euros.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what Deschamps needs to maintain. He needs to maintain a happy locker room and. Now that I mean everybody, I I know that everybody's dying for my official word on this because, of course, I uh, I defended Deschamps' decision. I mean, at this point, you know, like like I said, I was never, I never had a personal vendetta against Karim Benzema. I never doubted the fact that he's one of the greatest players of all time, and that he's definitely in the Mount Rushmore of Real Madrid. It's just the problem is, I mean, the problem I had is just when people said that the reason why this all this is because of his uh, Algerian um, roots, which is you know not the case at all, but I'm glad he's back. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure, now that he's back, France's odds to winning the title certainly go up a lot. But, you know, my concern was, if Karim Benzema is called up, what does that mean for Olivier Giroud? And, much to my surprise, Giroud also got the call up, but now there's another conflict. Because if Benzema starts and Giroud's a reserve player, that's totally unfair to Giroud. I mean, especially because Giroud's already being treated like trash by Chelsea by not getting any playing time. Or an unfair amount of playing time. But... I'm sure Dishon knows what he's doing. I'm sure he's probably he's probably thinking well because these both these guys are vital to the to the national team. Both these guys need an equal amount of playing time. So I'm sure Dishon will come up with something, but but as far as the, the as far as things go between Giroud and Benzema, there's some there's one thing they have to clear up. here. You know what that is? Mm. It's the comments you remember how Benzema said you can't compare uh, a a Formula One car or Ferrari to a go-kart, and he said, and I'm not the go-kart. Remember that? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: you know, let's face it, you know, top flight goal scorers, uh, they're kind of like Formula One race drivers. Uh, These are people who generally have a very, very healthy self-esteem, perhaps too much so, but – but I think at the end, I think um, I, I give credit to Deschamps for swallowing his pride um, because, I mean, this is a guy who has accomplished a lot as a player and as a coach, and for him to kind of swallow his pride and, you know, offer the olive branch out for Benzema to come back into the French fold, you know, I, I think that says a lot Um about Deschamps, I also think it says a lot about Benzema because I think that uh, there are more than a few players after being snubbed for five to six years which is what had happened with Benzema Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of players that would have said well screw you you know you didn't want me then I'm not coming back but um, you know he sees this you know not only as a chance to, to play in the Euros with France but you know, because of the quirks of the calendar, the World Cup's next year in Qatar. So, you know, if he plays on this French squad, uh, even though Benzema's starting to get a little bit up there himself, he still producing, he makes this Euro squad for France. I like his chances of being in the French squad going to Qatar next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Well said. And, you know, to be honest, you know, like I said, even though I've I've defended Dishon's actions, you know, I was never really against Benzema be bring brought back. It's just that in France, blackmailing somebody is a very serious crime. I mean, Benzema's facing trial. I uh, I think it's in October, and a source did indicate if he's found guilty, he's facing five up to five years in prison. But I'm gonna be honest. If the, I don't think I really don't see him going to prison because I feel like if the, if if he were. I feel like the whole case would have been would have ended a long time ago. I, I think this, this, such a sentencing would have happened already. But but you're right. I mean, Benzema could have said, you know, screw you, I don't want to come back. But I'm guessing Benz you know, because Dishon did actually say, a- according to a French soccer podcast called Left of Foot, which by the way is absolutely amazing. He Dishon um, confirmed that he and Benzema s- sat down, had a lengthy and useful conversation. Nothing bad ever happened you know, they, they immediately got on the same page, so so I think whatever animosity Benzema had, I think as soon as he started talking, it all went away, and and, I, and I've had this before, so so I guess Benzema thought, well, look, let's not worry about the past, il faut concentrer sur le futur, et le futur, on va jouer à l'euro le mois prochain, because France is a favorite, I mean, France has everything it takes to win the title, so, I mean, Benzema, instead of bringing up drama like in 2010, he wants to bring more positive vibes and success to the national team, so, so welcome back, Benzema, and Bonne chance le mois prochain. Alright, so now we get to the piece de resistance, the official eight inaugural inductees into the Hall of Fame of the English Premier League. Well, All these inductees are huge names, and they all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> Drum roll, please.
0: Eric Cantona number is one of them. Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, David Beckham, Dennis Bergkamp. Those are the final six. The first two we actually knew about that already. It, they were Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. <laughs> well, that's a way. That's definitely a way to start this uh, EP, APL Hall of Fame. And you know, I'm gonna be honest. This might sign. This might sound a little bit comedic, but. Should, should we be surprised that there are more English players than there are from any other nationality?
1: Well, let's see. You've got, of the of the ones that you mentioned, uh, Roy Keane's Irish, Enria's French, Cantona's French. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember, was Burkamp on that list too?
0: Yeah, he's actually one of he's actually one of the official inductees.
1: Okay, so that's so that he's Dutch. That's four. So that's actually that's actually half of those guys are are non English. So you know that speaks quite a bit to you know how international the the EPL is. Um, it, it's just such a different league playing in. Uh, the EPL now compared to, you know, back to prior to the Bosman ruling where, you know, you could only have like three non-UK players uh, playing on your squad. And most uh, most countries in Europe, you could only have no more than three foreigners on your squad. And after the Bosman ruling, that pretty much said that, you know, a club team can play however many foreign players they want So uh, the EPL, they benefited a great deal from that. And, you know, just by those names and and the impact that they made uh, in the EPL and they made the EPL a worldwide brand. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's by far and away one of the most followed leagues in the world. I mean, it's probably a toss up. I would I would put them ahead of. Uh, La Liga because uh, the EPL, one of the places where the following of the EPL is just massive is in Asia. And, um, you know, that's, that's that says a lot, but, uh, but those were all great names. As a Liverpool fan, uh, I was glad to see Steven Gerrard make that list. He was just such an iconic player for the Reds. It's no surprise that there's uh, three man U players, uh, Roy Keane, Beckham, uh, Cantona. You know, because I mean, when you look at those first you know twenty years of the the EPL and that incredible success that Sir Alex Ferguson brought to Manchester United, and in the nineties and early two early two thousands up to say two thousand ten. Um, Man, you was just incredible.
0: It is absolutely incredible. I, you know, and, and these players, you know, these players are all great. You know, again, you know, four, uh, four Englishmen, two Frenchmen. You know, it, it's, it's not really about the nationalities as well. It's it, the fact that they just made such a great impact. You know, I did see a lot of these, some of these players. You know, uh, like a majority of these players, I actually I would watch them. You know. Uh, the only one I don't have—I uh, don't have much recollection from—is un- un- obviously Eric Cantona. I mean, the o- the only memory I have of him was the day you know the kung fu incident happened. I mean, I remember it so well. I remember being two years old sitting next to my dad, and I actually remember how my dad reacted. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. But yeah, but th- th- this is cool. Uh, you know, uh, Shearer—I I never watched him play for the Blackburn Rovers. I remember watching him play a lot for Newcastle United, but but th- this is really cool you know the EPL, the epl hall of fame is off to the you know the best start and yeah and, and, and of course yeah and, and what some people have noticed you know when, when they if when they're looking at the list like like i am you know they'll see the teams blackburn rovers and nottingham forest and they'll go like i've never heard of these clubs i mean these two clubs steve i had never heard of them until you've mentioned them so what I, i've heard about these two clubs is what i've is what i've learned from you brother
1: yeah, yeah it's the joys of being old um but uh, but yeah you know sure most most people yeah he won an EPL title with the Blackbird Rovers but most people will associate shearer with Newcastle which was his boyfriend boyhood team you know he's a Geordie through and through and um, you know uh, I know for the long suffering fans up in uh, Tyne, they they keep hoping that they can uh, compete again uh, for an EPL title. Um, it's not a small club, and um, you know, hopefully someday they can they can have some level of success again.
0: Absolutely. So as we wrap up the EPL Hall of Fame talk, uh, you got any predictions for maybe next year's in, uh, in, in, uh, excuse me next year's uh, how should I say nominations? Next year's inductees. Uh, no, next year's uh, nominations. Yeah, keep in mind these guys were voted. Yeah, they actually uh, the first two of Sheeran and uh, Henry were there. The other six actually, the on the EPL website, you actually had to cast your votes.
1: Well, I think Ryan Giggs would probably, you know, that's a that's a name that sticks out right off the cuff for me. The Welshman was uh, such an integral part of those Man U teams. Uh, Patrick Vieira. Uh, he certainly would would belong on that uh, on the nomination list as as well, but um, you know we'll we'll just have to see.
0: You know, I, I I never thought of this until now. Is that this is actually for players only? Apparently, this Hall of Fame not for managers. That's a uh, never never thought of that until just now, but. But as far as players, you know, for being nominations in the near future, Didi Toulouba is definitely is definitely one of them. Can't go with that, and and I like your idea. Yeah, of course, Patrick Vieira as well, and I would say maybe Emmanuel Petit as well. That's definitely something uh, that can't be denied. But, um, but I'm sure you know we're we're gonna see a lot of familiar names and names that we all believe well they should definitely be here because they've made such an impact for this amazing. League that's really made an impact on all of us, indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we let you go, I'd like to make a great announcement that Wrestling with a Bear, my professional wrestling podcast, is now officially a proud sponsor for Generation Championship Wrestling. Generation Championship Wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, an independent wrestling promotion based in Florida, a great wrestling promotion, great talent, great promoter. It's just an honor to be doing business with them. Into the Net FC is available to you on all major streaming platforms including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and it's also available for you on YouTube. Steve, thank you so much for joining me again this evening. Brother, I just cannot wait to have you back on again soon.
1: Everybody have a good week. You take care.
0: This is the story of the one.